Welcome to you wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us uh, for a few moments this week. And do want to give a special shout out to my mother. Uh, she spent a few days in the hospital this past week, but she's a fighter. She's returned home, got her new walker, and uh, she's ready for the next season of life. And I uh, do want to let you know, Mom, we love you. We're pulling for you. There's lots of people praying for you. Well, uh, before we jump into our teaching for this weekend, I do want to mention this wonderful resource called the U version of the Bible. It's got all kinds of resources. It's absolutely free. And if you get it on your phone or device, you look under events, uh, search for Arlington FM Church. There you will find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. Uh, also, when you're in your favorite podcast player, if you'd likewise search for Arlington FM Church, there you will find all of our teaching content. If God's using what you hear uh, to bless you, encourage you, I uh, do want to encourage you to uh, share it with your friends on social media. Help us get the word out. Well, uh, speaking of the word, uh, we are in a series called Love's Reach. And uh, the series is based on this premise that God reaches to people in need, especially when their need is for him. You know, uh, God couldn't have been any clearer about this disclosure uh, of his priority system uh, through one of his prophets, the prophet Ezekiel. Uh, God speaks these words to us. He says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and I will look after them. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered. I will search for the lost and I will bring back the strays. Uh, see, this is God's heart. Uh, for anyone who is drifted outside of his love and his care. In fact, when Jesus came uh, to reveal the invisible God, to be God with us, he perfectly embodied this heart uh, of God to reach for and search for and rescue his lost sheep. In fact, Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. We've been tracking the revelation of God's heart in the person of Jesus through the writings of Luke. And in Luke's gospel, if you were with us uh, last week, uh, he kind of culminates this presentation of the reaching heart of God through Christ with these words uh, after uh, one of his lost ones, uh, a chief tax collector, uh, found hope in Christ. Uh, Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And uh, very clearly, uh, this is the heart of Christ. Uh, in his desire to reach people who need to experience God. Well, these next two weeks, uh, the next two messages, uh, I want to give you a little bit of context. Uh, we're uh, recording this message uh, to be uh, shown uh, Palm Sunday weekend. And uh, Palm Sunday, if you know anything about the history of uh, the church, uh, Palm Sunday uh, is that day when Christ uh, came into Jerusalem and it really did set the clock moving for what we call Holy Week, the events that would lead up uh, to the, uh, the crucifixion of Christ, the burial in a tomb, and then, of course, Easter morning, which would come a week after Palm Sunday when uh, Christ rose from the dead. You know, uh, what could be a more uh, graphic portrayal of the extent that God will go to, that Christ will go to, to reach lost people, than to enter into the very grave 
and to come out victorious, well, we're going to save that for next week. But, uh, you know, one of the, the points of this series has been that when we align with the reaching heart of God uh, lived out through Christ, when we choose to care for the world the way Christ does, our world gets bigger and better. We looked at this proverb, 1124, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Uh, the world of the stingy, uh, on the other hand, gets smaller and smaller. And uh, we've really uh, taken uh, this uh, perspective and consolidated into this true statement. When reaching people who need God becomes the focus of our devotion to Jesus, our world becomes bigger and better. I hear that again. When reaching people who need God becomes the focus, the primary way that we live out our allegiance to Jesus. Our lives get bigger and they get better. Well, uh, we're going to really see that come to a head, as I said, uh, beginning this weekend with Palm Sunday. Uh, just a little bit of backdrop on the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. Uh, when you read through Luke's Gospels, uh, really in chapter 18, Jesus begins to turn his sights on, on going to Jerusalem. And as I mentioned, this really gets the clock ticking towards the events of his passion, his death, and his resurrection. Well, in Luke's gospel, uh, in true outreaching fashion, on the way to Jerusalem, uh, Jesus passes through Jericho and notices this uh, chief tax collector, which would have been the despicable of the despicable people, uh, and he says, uh, I must eat at your house today. I must stay with you. And Zacchaeus experiences salvation. Christ makes that incredible declaration uh, that uh, this is why I came to seek and to save lost people. Well, uh, before the triumphal entry, uh, Jesus tells a, a little story, parable. And uh, it's, it puts it in the context of his, uh, his uh, destination, going to Jerusalem. And the parable is what we call the, the parable of the talents. In this case, it's the, the minas. <laughs> it's a commodity, a, a portion of money that was entrusted to uh, servants. And uh, as Jesus tells the story, according to Luke, a, a king goes away to a far country. In fact, he goes away to be anointed as king. And he entrusts some of his possessions to his servants. And when he comes back, he deals with them according to how they put what he entrusted to them uh, to use. And, and again, to put it in the context of Jesus coming to seek and to save the lost, you could say it like this. When Christ came back, uh, according to this parable, he basically asked his servants this. Are you using what God has entrusted to you to reach people? Uh, are you using everything that you have? Uh, all that's been uh, bequeathed to you as a child of God, as a follower of Christ, are you using that uh, to align with God's heart expressed through Jesus to reach, to seek, and to save lost people? In fact, uh, in his story, uh, Jesus ends it up with this point. He says to the one who has, more will be given. Kind of sounds like uh, the world of the generous will get larger and larger. But he says to the one who doesn't have, the one who isn't using their prerogatives, their inheritance, the riches of Christ that have been poured into their lives, the ones who don't use that to reach others, 
their lives get smaller. And Jesus said, what they have will be taken from them. Well, of all, with all of that as backdrop, then we come uh, to Jesus then uh, moving towards uh, yet closer to Jerusalem. We're told in Luke chapter 19, verse 28, after Jesus had said this, told this story, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples uh, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you're going to find some details uh, that are just the way I say they're going to be. Go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, uh, which no one has ever ridden. We know uh, from other uh, biblical sources that the colt he's referring to is a donkey. He says, uh, this donkey no one has ever ridden. Untie it. Bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why in the world are you messing with our donkey? Why are you untying it? Say to them, the Lord needs it or the Lord has need of it. You know, this is kind of an odd episode. You know, Jesus basically prophesies. When you get to this place in town, you're going to notice this donkey tied there. It's never been ridden. And uh, go ahead and help yourself to it. And if somebody says, you know, what are you doing with our donkey? Tell them the Lord needs it. it I used to uh, live with some guys, and we kind of had some fun with this passage, and uh, we used that response to a lot of things. Uh, someone would say, hey, who ate my leftover pizza that I put in the fridge? And someone who was the culprit would say, well, the Lord needed it, <laughs> meaning uh, his servant, me, <laughs> ate it. Or uh, borrowing someone's car without asking, why'd you take my car? Well, the Lord needed it. Where's my favorite sweatshirt? <laughs> the Lord needed it. You know, here's the, the true thing about this episode is there's an unusual uh, attention that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Savior of the world, there's an unusual degree of attention paid to minute details. Uh, we would even think maybe meaningless details, uh, but uh, here, let's put it in context. Uh, imagine you're traveling someplace you've never been before. You've kind of put all of your fortunes in the hands of a, a tour guide whose uh, duty it is to take care of you, to make sure you get where you need to go, when you need to be there. You want that person to pay attention to details. As I was thinking about this and the importance of someone who's willing to tend to the little things. I, I recall once I went on my lone uh, mountain climbing excursion and I was with about a dozen young people, high schoolers, a few adults, and one a guide who, whose job it was to make sure that we came back alive. And I remember uh, as we uh, scaled that mountain, it wasn't a huge peak. It was uh, the middle sister down by Bend, Oregon, about 11,000 foot high. But uh, we took the first day and climbed to the 7,000 foot level. And there we spent the night in, uh, contemplating whether or not we were going to try to make the ascent the next day, and I remember it was about three in the morning, and I was uh, in my sleeping bag, freezing to death, and I had to take, uh, I had to use the restroom, <laughs> and so I, I got out of my bag and ventured a, a few feet away from camp, and there was our guide 
assessing the weather conditions, reading the sky, uh, trying to determine whether or not it would be prudent for us to, to take that group up to the top of the mountain. Well, uh, all of that to say at that point, I was very, very happy that someone was paying attention to the details of our excursion. And uh, here's the truth that I think comes out of this. Uh, we often live our lives as though God isn't involved in the details. In fact, there's this horrendous saying that says, the devil is in the details. Well, I would like to contend against that. I would like to say God is uh, really the, the one who is in charge of the details of our lives. You know, we recently had a, a marriage class here at the church, and uh, one weekend we talked about creating better love maps between us and our spouse. And the essence of that teaching is that uh, we learn to pay attention to details. We learn to take into account what matters to that person that we're tethered to, what they worry about, what they're anxious over, what their hopes, fears, and dreams are. And uh, the more uh, details we dial in on, the healthier our relationships become. And, uh, you know, when it comes to reaching people with the life of God, with the hope of God, with the truth of Jesus Christ, uh, I've come to believe this, that paying attention to the details of what matters to people is one of the primary ways that we express love to them. In fact, I can tell you my own personal testimony. One of the reasons I became curious about the truth of Jesus Christ, the revelation of God through Christ, is that some of his followers paid attention to me. They noticed the details. They asked me about the things that I worried about, that I was anxious over, my hopes and fears and dreams for the future. And it was that attention to detail that communicated the love of God to me. Uh, here's a good rule of thumb when it comes to details. Uh, when it comes to uh, others that you're trying to love, don't sweat the details. In other words, don't expect them uh, to be the kind of people who uh, remember all those sorts of things. But when you flip the, flip the coin around and it comes to expressing love to them, you should crush the details and pay attention. Well, we're told that uh, Jesus uh, sent the two ahead. And uh, here's the beautiful thing about uh, Christ's attention to details. They're accurate. It says those who were sent ahead went and they found it just as had been told them. Uh, things were just the way Jesus said they were, would be. And as they were untying the colt, indeed, the owners asked them, hey, why are you untying that colt? And they replied with the magic phrase, the Lord needs it. You know, I was uh, thinking about this. Uh, they found things just the way the Lord said they would be. And uh, one of the ways uh, God did that in my life, uh, there was one occasion I was working at a very large church, several thousand attenders. And uh, my uh, assignment was to oversee the pastoral care needs of the congregation. I had several pastors that... Uh, I directed uh, their duties, and uh, one afternoon I took a phone call. It was from a gentleman who uh, unfortunately had found his mother deceased on the kitchen floor uh, one morning, and uh, he reached out to the church uh, sort of in desperation and was uh, trying to find someone who would officiate his mother's memorial service. 
And I took the call, spoke with the gentleman for a few minutes and, and said, well, let me see if I can find someone who's available. Put him on hold. And in that moment, I put him on hold. A, a phrase came through my mind. The phrase was, uh, teach us to number our days. And I wasn't even sure, but I had a hunch that was in the Bible somewhere. And uh, it sounded like something God might say. And so I got back on the phone with this guy and I said, hey, uh, I'm open on that day. I'll officiate your mother's memorial service. And uh, after we finished speaking, I looked through my Bible. And sure enough, I found the psalm where those words verbatim said, God, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Well, fast forward to the memorial service. And after the preliminaries were out of the way, uh, just before I was going to get up to address uh, the gathered uh, people, uh, the son who found his mother deceased on the kitchen floor uh, stood up to speak. And he said, you know, uh, the morning I found mom, she would have, uh, as I looked around the kitchen, she had a, a daily calendar with little inspirational quotes on it. And uh, before she had passed away, she had turned the calendar to that day. And uh, what it said on that calendar day was, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. And I've got to tell you, that when the son shared those words, And uh, I knew what God had spoke to me. It was just the way the Lord had said it would be. I was reminded of how in to the details uh, our God really is. Well, uh, as they found this colt that was just the way they said it would be, they brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks uh, on the colt. They put Jesus on it. And as he went along toward Jerusalem, people spread their cloaks on the road. You know, this is an amazing scene that is unfolding here. On the one hand, you've got uh, the revealed king of the universe. Uh, The disciples had seen him do things that absolutely blew their minds. Uh, They had uh, seen him command the winds and the waves to be still, and he calmed the sea. Uh, They had uh, been a part of him feeding a multitude of people with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. They had seen him open blind eyes. They cured diseases with a word, with a command. He ordered demons to leave people. And uh, they had heard the demons beg Jesus to treat them kindly. Uh, So uh, this man uh, who was among them truly was the king of the universe, uh, inhuman, embodied uh, with them, God with them. Uh, So he's the king of kings. But on the other hand, He's riding a donkey. This would have been the ultimate expression of humility. You know, uh, this would be like uh, the president uh, returning to the White House in an old beat-up Toyota Corolla, (laughs) or worse yet, a Yugo. And uh, it simply is a contrast that is meant to startle us. Uh, He is a powerful king of kings, but he's also gentle and humble. In fact, uh, here's the staggering truth about Palm Sunday is it presents to us a humble king. Uh, we, we are confronted with uh, Jesus Christ, the Lord of lords and the king of kings coming to us not to vanquish and annihilate his enemies, but to serve them. He is a humble king. And uh, I would say this, uh, to really experience God We need to know that Jesus is both. He is the king of the universe, 
and he is humble and approachable. There's no foe he cannot conquer. There's no fear he cannot dispel. There's no burden he cannot carry. But he's also completely humble and giving. There's no outsider he will not befriend. There's no outcast he will not include. There's no tyrant he will not serve. There's no sinner he will not forgive. Not only is Christ humble in these ways, but he's humble in absolutely pouring himself out to reach the people who are desperate to experience God. Uh, Paul would write a few decades later, although Christ was equal to God in Philippians chapter 2, he says, although Christ was equal to God, he considered not equality with God something to be clung to, but he emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, being found in human form, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death. Amazing. Uh, Christ could have ridden into Jerusalem on a glorious stallion accompanied by a multitude of angels, but he didn't because he wanted to proclaim that he is a humble king. And we're told when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, this would have been when uh, Jerusalem came fully into view, the entourage uh, uh, the excitement and enthusiasm mounting for this humble king. It, we're told the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. There's a sense of jubilation and celebration. Well, what were they declaring? Luke records, uh, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, and uh, also this message, peace in heaven and glory to God in the highest. This was the highest praise, the highest adulation they could give uh, that this person, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, was the king of the universe. He'd come uh, to reveal the invisible God, and that he'd come to remove the barriers between people and God, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Well, uh, there were some who didn't like this cheer, who didn't like this particular adulation being so freely given. We're told some of the Pharisees in the crowd, uh, some of the religious leaders said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Uh, tell them to quiet down. This is inappropriate. <laughs> this is not fitting. And uh, Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is, uh, you know, one of those memorable uh, statements of Christ where you kind of have to go back and ponder, what exactly is Jesus saying here? If they keep quiet, the stones themselves will cry out this, this sound of praise and adulation for the king of the universe coming to uh, win the ultimate victory. Well, uh, here's one of the messages that rings out of Christ's words. The absence of heartfelt praise and gratitude is unnatural. It's unnatural that we would experience this gift of God, this uh, re restoration in our relationship with our creator, God with us. It's impossible and unnatural to experience that and not have this joyful praise come out of our hearts. It's kind of like uh, if you had found the love of your life 
And uh, lo and behold, to your surprise, this person loved you back. And they pledged their entire life to doing life with you. It would be like experiencing that incredible gift and not being grateful each day of your life that their one trek, their one journey through this world, they chose to do it with you. Well, uh, you might guess that's the way I feel about my uh, spouse. And, uh, you know, it should result in gratitude and celebration. But uh, the absence of praise is not only unnatural, it's unhealthy. Uh, it would be like uh, going to see the doctor and saying, you know, I've been uh, feeling a little bit listless lately. And what's that doctor do? The first thing he's going to do is check your vital signs. And uh, he puts that stethoscope up to your chest. This look of concern floods over his face, checks a few other things, and says, I'm going to book you for surgery immediately. <laughs> he's, he's found some things that aren't right, that aren't healthy. And then unless they're tended to, they're going to be death-inducing. Well, that's not an exaggeration of what Jesus is saying here is to experience this incredible gift of God and not have it result in praise and celebration and gratitude. It's unhealthy. In fact, uh, you know, here's what I've come to identify. The absence of praise usually indicates the presence of religious heaviness. The absence of praise usually indicates the presence of religious oppression and heaviness. Uh, this would be uh, embodied in the Pharisees who said, tell your disciples to tone it down. You know, few things are as life-deadening as religious heaviness. Uh, there are few things in life that are as deadening, as stifling, and hindering, and restrictive as religious Heaviness, it's one of the things that moved Jesus to anger. In fact, as he pushed back against his religious leaders on one occasion, he said, look, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. They crush people with unbearable religious demands, and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. Here again, those words of Christ, they crush people with unbearable religious demands and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. And so uh, this humble king uh, comes to incite this uh, incredible, joyful response. You might say it like this. Uh, he came to achieve a remarkable victory, and it's out of that victory uh, that people express their gratitude and their celebration. Well, uh, as he approached Jerusalem, and he saw the city, so he, he's... Continuing on with his determination to go to the holy city as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. You missed the gift of God. You missed the very thing that your hearts really desperately were yearning for. Uh, to uh, have this incredible gift come into your life and restore your relationship with your creator. And, and now, uh, Jesus said, there's going to be some outcomes of you missing that gift from God. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in 
on every side. Uh, things are going to get bad for you because of your missing the, the gift that God had put in front of you. Uh, they will dash you to the ground. You and the children within your walls, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. You know, it's, uh, it's possible to read this response of Jesus saying, you know, you missed the time of your visitation. You didn't recognize what God was freely offering you. And now you're going to experience the consequences. It's possible to read this as, uh, as if Christ is saying, you're going to get yours. <laughs> you know, you, you made your nest. Now you're going to lie in it. You've, you've sown your seeds. Now you're going to reap a harvest. Uh, it would be possible to think that's the heart of Christ. In fact, I saw a bumper sticker once, and it had these words on it. It said, Jesus is coming back, and boy, is he ticked. You know, that idea uh, that he, he's really upset and mad about those who miss their day of visitation. Uh, but I would say this, uh, if, if that's your interpretation of what's on display here, you're not reading your Bible accurately because this whole section is prefaced by the fact when Jesus saw the city, he cried over it. He longed for them to know the gift of God that is freely given to them. I would ask you this question. When's the last time you cried because someone else was in pain? When's the last time you had a good cry over the suffering of someone else? You know, maybe you... Uh, saw some images or looked at some uh, scenes of what was happening in Ukraine and you shed a tear for them, that would be a good thing. Uh, maybe you saw the tumult and the chaos that's unfolding in the nation of Haiti and you cried a, you cried a few tears, that would be a good thing. Uh, I would say, how many of you have uh, shed some tears over the earthquake in Turkey over the devastation that's currently happening in the south and Mississippi as these tornadoes rush through. And if you found yourself being moved with emotion, actually shedding some tears, that would be a good thing. Uh, maybe you, uh, I, I saw this uh, police officer who was uh, on the scene of this latest school shooting. And as uh, the children were being uh, ushered out of the school onto the bus, many of them crying. Uh, this police officer stood there, and he wept. And when they asked him later, they, you were crying at the scene. What was that about? He said, just seeing the children go through this broke my heart, that they would have to live with this for the rest of their lives. If you cry over things like that, those would all be good things. But uh, Jesus takes that to another level. Uh, Jesus cries over the condition of people who've invited chaos into their lives by their own choices. You know, Jesus weeps for them at how much heartache they've opened the door to in their lives. Uh, when's the last time you cried over somebody who was caught in an addiction? Maybe an opioid uh, addiction. Uh, when's the last time you cried over someone who was caught in pornography or someone whose marriage was on the brink? Uh, see, these are the tears that Jesus cried as he considered what people were missing in his coming to them and what they were inviting into their lives. And all of this uh, just depicts for us an amazing love 
an amazing love. So on this Palm Sunday, we have this incredible display of the heart of God through the person of Jesus Christ. Is uh, We have this humble king with a remarkable victory and an amazing love on display. Uh, you know, uh, the one thing that Jesus lamented most is they didn't recognize the day of his coming to them. And as I've reflected on this, I, I know this to be the truth, that revival really doesn't begin in the world, in our country, in our homes, in our cities. That's not what's going to sweep us into God's presence and into his kingdom. Revival begins in our own hearts when we open up and we recognize this incredible disclosure that God has given to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, this is what makes for peace with God, with ourselves, with our fellow human beings. Uh, you know, uh, we often use the excuse, I didn't know, I didn't realize. And uh, in this case, uh, that's no excuse at all uh, because uh, Jesus makes himself clear to people through the influence of his teaching, through the witness of his works, and through the presence of his spirit. You know, I read a book once called Fierce Conversations, and uh, one chapter was particularly uh, thought-provoking, and it asked the question, what are we pretending not to know? When we live with brokenness, when we live with chaos and dysfunction, uh, what are the truths we're pretending not to know, conveniently deciding, well, I'm not clear on this. And the one thing that will cause us uh, the greatest loss, according to Jesus, is when we pretend not to know that God has made himself clear to us through the person of Jesus Christ. Well, uh, once more in reflection, what is the message of Palm Sunday? It's that love's reach knows no boundaries. Uh, the, the heart of God displayed through Christ compels him to humble himself completely in order to serve those he came to save. That uh, love's reach compels Christ to win astounding and remarkable victories for those he came to rescue. And that love's reach displays a depth of love that is equal, that is unequal in this world. You know, I... Uh, uh, heard this song a couple years ago and uh, came to mind as I was thinking about this revelation of Palm Sunday. We'll lead into a prayer with this song. Uh, it says this, it's called Amazing Love. It has these words, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted because you were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again and then this incredible refrain uh, amazing love how can it be that you my king would die for me amazing love i know it's true it's my joy to honor you in all that i do would you uh, pray with me uh, lord we want to thank you for your amazing love uh, thank you uh, for the revelation of god through jesus christ thank you for your reaching heart that you came to rescue those far from you. You came to befriend those who had dissed you. Uh, Lord, you came to forgive those who carry the burden of their own brokenness and sin. 
maybe as you're hearing these words, so you're realizing, you know what? Uh, I'm recognizing the day of his coming. It's happening for me right now. And my encouragement to you would be open up to that. Receive your king. Maybe you'd just say something like this. Lord, I need you. I need the kind of king I've heard about today. One who is profoundly powerful has the ability to break every chain, carry every burden, and yet one who's humble and approachable. Lord, I'm desperate for your forgiveness, for your love, for your leadership, and I open up to that in Christ's name. And I would also pray for those of you, maybe your praise has been muted, and maybe you're lacking the sense of gratitude. You firmly believe the truths of the gospel according to Jesus Christ, but it hasn't resulted in that unhindered, unchained sort of response of gratitude. And maybe you're laboring under a spirit of religious heaviness, experiencing the deadening effects of that, and I would just speak freedom to you right now. If you don't praise God, the rocks will cry out, and God would want to liberate you from that deadening condition uh, maybe uh, you just need to be reminded of the things that make for peace. You've been looking to that uh, change. You've been looking to this uh, agenda, that program. And Jesus would say, uh, he is the thing. He is the one who can settle our hearts, restore us in our intimacy with God, and direct us in his paths. We pray these wonderful things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.